This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit candowealth.com. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Coffee House Scots. We've got some big news, which was we now have our own special Coffee House Scots page, which you can find on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcast from and do follow. Now, I don't have to ask anyone today to justify their Scottishness because it's all regular guests. I'm Katie Balls. I'm joined by Fraser Nelson, Lucy Dan and Michael Simmons. Now, Michael, just to kick us off, there's been a disclosure about the number of SNP members. Before we get to the figures, how did we get here in terms of that open letter? So, the SNP has always been quite vague um, about their membership size. And people started asking questions because there's this company, MyVote, who have been commissioned by the SNP to run their leadership process. And they revealed that they've been handed 78,000 voters to put in their voting system. But from previous release figures, it was thought that there was more like 100,000 SNP members. So this led to questions about who is actually voting, how many members are there are in the party. So the candidates themselves asked for the figures and were reportedly told that they couldn't have them. And this led to Kate Forbes and Ash Regan basically writing an open letter to say that there needed to be transparency over the vote and the figures. Kate Forbes went as far to say that there needed to be an independent auditor of the figures. And then Hamza Youssef also um, joined in, although he privately asked for the figures. And this led to, first of this week, the membership totals coming out. And Lucy, let's get to those figures, because it has now uh, become clear as a result of this that the SNP have lost around 30,000 party members since 2021. The SNP reported a membership of 125,534 back in December 2018. That fell to just over 100,000 in December 2021. And now it's at just 72,186. Do we have any sense of which demographics are leaving the party or what this might be about? So in 2021, obviously, the um, ALBA party got set up. And I think there was always concern that a lot of people from SNP would have moved over to the ALBA party for various reasons. But equally, we've obviously seen a lot of controversy within the past couple of months, particularly around October in 2022, when we had the gender recognition reform bill that was going through. It seems that a lot of members decided that they were not happy with what was going on with the gender bill and as a result may have left off the back of that. That's certainly a concern that Ash Reagan um, has and she was obviously the rebel MSP who, who quit her job at that point in time um, as a result of the gender bill going through. Fraser, should a party be worried about its membership? I mean, political parties are famously quite protective of the figures. Jeremy Corbyn liked to talk about the Labour membership, of course, because it was one of the things he had going for him. The Tories' membership is pretty low. Does this matter or does it reflect a lack of enthusiasm? Well, in some ways, the SNP remains one of the most popular political parties, not just in Britain, but in Europe, in terms purely of a portion of the, of the population who are party members. So these figures 
in and of themselves are, should be a source of pride, not embarrassment. The problem for the SNP is the momentum message that it sends. The idea that people are walking away from the cause, they don't think there's going to be. That also that Alex Salmond perhaps took a bigger chunk than they would like to admit out of the SNP when he set up the Alba party. The SNP were so defensive about this that they flat out denied this uh, about a couple of months ago with a quote in the Sunday Mail saying that the, 30, the figure of 30,000 loss is not just flat wrong, it's wrong by about 30,000. Now that was on Valentine's Day that they said that. It now turns out that the story was completely true. So you've got another example of the SNP flat out lying about this. Now this matters because it points us to another theme of leadership contest. The SNP machine being rather rotten and exposed during this contest. So you can now see sort of two themes emerging. This isn't so much just about choosing a new leader. This is also about whether the SNP apparatus ought to be reformed and cleaned out. You've got the idea of the, of the SNP turning into a kind of personality cult without the personality. We're just keeping it going. The Hamza Yusuf's been chosen as the machine candidate and they're starting to behave a little bit like a failing mafia now. So I think the, the humiliating disclosure, it's humiliating because they denied it, uh, of, of numbers, goes to underline the sense of institutional decay in the SNP. And Michael, just finally on the membership, are we any clearer as to you know what the you know the average age of a SNP member that's casting a ballot in this is? Because it looked uh, you know fairly elderly in the old figures, and there's so much as Fraser just pointing to lack of information that we know about the mood in the membership. There's very little membership polling, and yet the SNP establishment are doing they seem to be doing everything they possibly can to make sure Himsa Yusuf is uh, you know has things working in his favour. This is a very difficult question to answer because it's, it's a new development that we know even the membership figure. So knowing more about that membership is even more hidden. So I think this was last studied in 2018. And that showed that SNP members tended to be, as you say, slightly older and slightly more socially conservative. So you would maybe think, well, that might lend them into Kate Forbes' camp. But what this drop in membership might suggest is that the people who were upset about the gender recognition reform bill, the people who were followers of Salmond have possibly already left, which means the people that are remaining in the party are more likely to be in the sort of sturgeon, which has now become the Hamza camp. So if anything, I would say the smaller membership number potentially favours Hamza. Now, speaking of Hamza Youssef, we are now going to play some audio. This is what happened when he went on a visit to a group of Ukrainian women in Edinburgh. So one, one, one question I have is, uh, where are all the men? <laughs> Fraser, how do you think that went? Well, I hope one of these women took him aside and explained the situation in Ukraine and why there aren't many male refugees making it over. And of course, this is, you know, a, a political gaffe. It's rather embarrassing. But I will here put some of my cards on the table. I would like Hamza Yusuf to win this SNP campaign. I do this because I'm a unionist and I do not wish the SNP success in its mission. I think that um, Kate Forbes would be a far more formidable leader, making life a lot more difficult for people like me. Uh, so when Yusuf sort of, when the wheels come off visibly like this, 
I'm thinking to myself, whoops, I hope not too many S&P members are, are paying attention here. Because the last thing we want is Kate Forbes to actually win this and make life difficult for unionists. So I'm hoping that most of them have already cast their vote. This is postal vote that started a while ago. And perhaps the exodus of those who are not really on board with the Sturgeon establishment agenda means that it's unlikely to move the dial anyway. It was not the first example. We've seen Hamza Yusuf trip himself up. And there's the scooter incident, amongst many, many others. And this is, again, why a lot of unionists are looking forward to this. They imagine his premiership as being one gaffe after the other, lasting for nine inglorious months before there's another leadership campaign. So, But, you know, I mean, you could argue in his defence that there were other Ukrainian men downstairs, the comment wasn't supposed to be as stupid as it sounded, etc., etc. But it comes across consistent with the general attack on Yusuf that he is a bungler who ought not to be put in charge of the party or the country. And Lucy, just finally, you wrote on Coffee House about the fourth and final debate of the SNP leadership contest. How did Hamza Youssef do in that? Do you, do you still get the sense that he is the clear front runner? So Hamza Youssef, you know, throughout the first two weeks of the contest, he improved in terms of his style delivery and during hustings particularly, he came across as though he was really rallying the troops. But when it came to the last debate, something changed. And I don't know if it's maybe just him being tired as a result of obviously a very long two weeks for all the candidates, but he certainly did seem to stumble over his words. And for someone that has been described as being very slick and often even criticised for being too well rehearsed, um, Hamza now, you know, and, and this and this thing with the Ukrainian women yesterday is obviously another example of it. Hamza's definitely appearing to to not quite be on top of his game as, as much as he was previously. And, and in actual fact, Kate came out on top, I would say, in the BBC debate. Um, she was far more relaxed, self-assured, so perhaps Holmes's gaffes and these noticeable stumbles during the debates are representative of some panic emerging on his side, given just how close the contest looks to be. And I'll just be cruel because I don't know if I'm ever going to get to present this podcast again, given the stiff competition. Um, so at this point, I'm going to go around. Michael, ballots have opened this week. Who do you think is going to win? I mean, they say never make predictions, but I think there's yeah. so much in Hamza's favour from the party machine. So I think Hamza's going to win. Fraser? I still have faith in the SNP to be basically too far gone to embrace the kind of reform which Kate Forbes fundamentally offers. So I am still going to go for Hamza, although I have to say that my my fellow um, church-going fiscally conservative Highlander is running a bit too close for my comfort. Yeah, if you endorse her, you could probably hurt her campaign I've a bit. I've done my best. I've written a couple of complimentary <laughs> things. Um, that, I don't know. Um, no, the, the, oh, well, the Phil Spectator endorsement perhaps next week could, could seal a deal. Or we, or we can actually financially donate to Hamza's campaign. I don't know. Can we get away with that? <laughs> okay, Michael, you'll, you can look into the rules. And, and Lucy, finally, are you going to surprise us? Well, I've been changing my mind every single day. I think I said Hamza a couple of days ago. But I think now, after the last couple of days, I think I'm going to go for Kate. Okay, and I'm going to talk about Ash Reagan now, who you all cruelly left from your uh, predictions. But he wants to hear why she thinks she still has a chance at some success, though it might not be winning. When it comes to this leadership contest, do check out this week's Women With Balls, where I sit down with her to talk about the contest so far. You can find that www.spotator.co.uk forward slash balls, or by searching Women With Balls on the usual platforms. <laughs> 